0: All right, so we're starting a new series today, as you can see, True North, and this series is really about how we grow as believers, okay? We just talked about identity, but how do we flush that identity out, okay? And, um, and, and this is important, this is an important series, because if we don't know how to live out life as a Christian, then we will not live out life as a Christian, okay? That's just that's the truth right there. And we are created to live out life to the full. And the abundance that Jesus Christ has created us for, he promises us that. But in order to do that, we have to live a life like he lived. We have to live a life like the disciples lived. We can't just hope that it happens. We have to be disciplined. We have to understand that when it happens. And what we have is working against that, we have the kingdom of the world, okay, versus the kingdom of you know, the kingdom of God, and, and it's called, like, there's a biblical worldview, and then there's a secular worldview, and in this, in this secular worldview that we have working against us, it basically says, you know what? You are here to pursue happiness in every way possible. You are to pursue what will make you happy. You are to pursue a productive and successful life That is why you're here. That is what this is all about. And guess what, Christians? If you're a Christian, then God will even bless you more and more and more. And that is a sign of what a Christian looks like. And they call it the good life. And that's what our culture communicates to us, is that we should be pursuing the good life. Okay? A life of success. A life that we're happy. A life that works. A life that is good. Now, this is what Jesus says about the kingdom of God. You know, here's the, here's the sad thing, is that if we're not attaining that life, or we don't feel happy, we're made to feel like something's wrong with us. We're made to feel like we're failures. We're made to feel like we're weak, when actually just the opposite might be true. What if the path to success is the easier way to, to find, you know, what if that is the wrong way? What if that leads us away from life that Jesus has for us? It's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle. Why would Jesus say that? Because we're all drawn naturally to the things of the world because of our flesh. And it's only in disciplining ourselves and the disciplines of the spirit, and we're going to talk about those. That's what this course is about, that we will be able to resist that. This is what Jesus says about his worldview. And calling the crowd around him, this is in Mark 8. And calling the crowds around him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And so, what the scripture is saying is, you can have everything the world has to offer. Everything you think will have life. And you'll feel like it. You'll feel happy. You will feel these emotions that you think, oh, man, this is it. I've arrived. This is amazing. And Jesus is saying, guess what? You don't have life. You've just lost your life. You're enslaved. You have gone back into the slavery that Christ has set us free from. In Galatians 5.1, Jesus warns us against that. Now, is, there, is it wrong for us? To have wealth, is it wrong for us to have successful businesses? Is it wrong for us to enjoy nice things that God blesses us? No, no, that's not wrong. Unless that's what you're using to define success in your life. If that is what is giving you life, what is it that creates the most stress in your life? What is it that you worry most about? What is it that makes you depressed or makes you feel weak? That is what you worship. That is where you're finding your life. And Jesus says, very competing view from the world. And that's why we have to learn and we have to study and we have to read in the Bible. What does God say? What does Jesus say about how I can live this life? Because it's the opposite of what the world says. And so it won't just happen. We have to be disciplined for it to happen. And again, that's what this series is going to be about, is what... Do the disciplines of the Spirit. How do we practice the disciplines of the Spirit in a way that leads us to experience the life that God has for us? That is a reflection of the way Jesus lived life. We're disciples of Jesus. And many of us look at the life of Jesus and we say, well, he's Jesus. I can't live that way. And so we don't even try. Or Paul, you know, well, you know, he's a, he's a you know, he's a bad mamma jamma. And I just, how am I supposed to live like him? And so we don't even try. Yet, in the life of Paul, in the life of Jesus, we see life to the full. So how do we expect to experience life to the full if we aren't living like them? That makes sense. You won't. For the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. How does a fire burn in you? Come Holy Spirit. Well, that's one way, but that's not not the main way. The main way that we experience the power of God, the truth of God, the understanding of who God is, is through reading the Word. It's through experiencing the disciplines and practicing the disciplines. In those things, every day, we open ourselves up to receive God, to experience God, to experience His power, to experience His love. You know, if you were a baseball player, a best baseball player in the world, and you didn't practice for a year... Didn't practice for a year. You're the best baseball player in the world. And you get up to bat, and you're you're facing a mediocre pitcher. What are the odds that you're going to hit a home run on the first pitch? Not good. You might, but it's not good probably. Now, if that same professional baseball player practiced every day for a year, got to the plate against a mediocre pitcher, much greater chance that he's going to be able to hit a home run. So when we sit down to pray for somebody we haven't been practicing the disciplines we haven't been living like Jesus we haven't been in the word knowing who he is knowing how to live a life like Jesus lives so we have the power like Jesus we step up to pray someone and we go heal lord and we swing and miss we swing and miss Because why would God fulfill and reward us when we're being disobedient when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ? Why would he reward that? Now, by grace, he does. By grace, he does. But we also know the enemy mirrors and mocks and fools us, duplicates the things of light to fool us. So what if once in a while he brings healing to someone... So that you'll feel like, I don't have to discipline myself. I don't have to spend time in the word. What greater tool for, to fake us out, to deceive us? It says this in Ephesians. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building of the body in Christ until we attain all unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and from by the waves and carried about by the wind of doctrine, by the wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth, what's the truth? The word. The word is the truth. Speaking the truth. In love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of Christ. How are we to grow up in Christ? Through hearing the word, through the power of the spirit. As we interact with the word, the power of the spirit coming in and bringing that word alive in us. The culture wants to deceive you. Your feelings will deceive you. The Bible is what grounds us because the Bible and the truth of the Bible doesn't change. Culture will change. The values of culture will change. But the Bible is the bedrock of the Christian church knowing that we agree on this is the word of God. So that in a world... In a world where people are getting tossed around by their emotions, around by the culture, around by the things that the world says is important, people are getting tossed. The church says, no, this is the truth. We stand on the truth. We live by the truth. The truth is the authority in our life. And so as we look at these things, we look at the lifestyles of a Christian, it's an invitation into life. It's an invitation from a chaotic world in your life to a world of peace, a world of rest, a world of hope, a world of love, a world of relationship with the King of kings, with the Lord of lords, who promises and says, I am your rock. My love is steadfast. I am faithful. I will never lead you astray. That's all in the Bible. You can go read it there. The title of this talk is like Read the Bible or Die, which is, uh, but then I thought when I was worshiping, I was like, well, maybe we should have said read the Bible and live. That's probably a better, a better thing. Read the Bible or die. That's a little guilt there, right? We don't want to use that. We don't understand that. And so as we study the Bible, as we read the Bible, it's important that we understand that it's for, it's for blessing in life. It's for to experience more of God, right? It's, it's to experience more of the life that he has for us. I mean, Jesus tells the Pharisees, you search the Word, you search the Scriptures, you know, and you know all these things. But you don't know me. The disciplines of the Spirit, the discipline of reading the Word, understanding the Word, and living by the Word of God in your life is like a door. It's like a window that leads to intimacy, that leads to blessing, that leads to worship. And once it stops being that, it's religion. It's religion. It's works. And so the test is, in your life, as you're experiencing, you're in the Word, what is it leading to? Is it leading to pride? You're like crush-dominating people with like things that you know. Is it leading to life? Is it leading to a full life? That's the test. But the greatest proof in the Bible... Is a changed life. It produces, the Bible it talks about is alive. It's alive. And when we engage it and the Spirit breathes life through it into us, it changes our life. So I'm going to have Danny Domingo come up. Every week when we do these series, we're going to have someone come up and talk about how this, whatever we're talking about, changed their life. Double D, Danny Domingo. We need a microphone. Mm. Oh, I'm like a pro. Here we go. Go ahead, Danny. You have 10 seconds. Okay. Can you hear me? Turn the mic on, please. Can you hear me? Okay. Is it on? Testing. Okay.
1: okay. Um, Antley, I saw him in the parking lot this morning, and oh, he. Come on. I mean, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Well, we're on a, a Bible study together, but he asked me about about two years ago, two or three years ago in January, we did a fasting series here at the church. I think for the early for a few weeks. And I really felt God speaking to me about being more consistent in my Bible reading, and so I, I would try on my own to do it at night before I went to bed. And within a few minutes, I would fall asleep before before this. And so, over the last two years, it's been pretty cool to see what God's done. I've I've tried to be consistent. I missed certain days, but tried to be consistent each day. I just recently did a long study on the Book of Romans, and I'm highlighting verses all the time. I just it seems like the more I read the Bible the more I desire to read it more. So it, it becomes less of a chore. And so I'm seeing it like Antley talked about, the, my desires are becoming grounded in the Bible rather than the world. So as the so successes of the world or the flesh, I desire more of Christ. And so as I desire more and read more, i, I mind changed in my heart. And so it affects all my relationships at work and at home. And And I'm, I'm still, still learning in each day, but uh, I'm really thankful. And so as I read each week, um, each day. Um, I do a lot of devotionals with some friends and uh, as I'm more consistent, it's, it's amazing. The fruits of the spirit and I'm gentler, I'm more patient. Um, and just, it's, it's amazing to see what God's done. And so, uh, it, it's, uh, and it could just be a little bit, uh, a few minutes here and de- there each day. Um, my wife took away our TV on Good Friday two years ago. And so that really kind of amped up my, my extra free time. <laughs> And I do do a lot on my on my phone U version, so it's hard. I could surf the internet and check out the surf report, or I could read my Bible. So, and I'm really enjoying it. And the fruits of the Spirit and uh, the change in my heart um, and my desires um, are are truly changed forever.
0: Awesome, Claire. Is he different? Is he different, Claire? This is like the moment. of Is he different, kids? Is he? Oh yeah, he is. Claire, come on. Yes. He's a different person. What are you worried about? Worst case scenario is we use your tithe to buy another one. Come on. <laughs> so, so here are a few like quick facts. Everything I'm saying today, I want you to read the Bible. I want you to read the Bible. That's what the goal is today. Is You're going to go home, you're going to be excited, you're going to buy a Bible, and you're going to read the Bible. Okay? Buy a Bible, read the Bible. That's from the Lord. Okay? And you can read the Bible or you can die, okay? That's your choice. Read the Bible and live. That's also your choice. Okay. The Bible is 66 books, 39 books of the old, written about 1,000 years, and 27 books of the new, written about... 50 to 75 years, it's not a single book, it's a book of collections that involve the prophetic, involve wisdom, involve stories, involves literature, involves songs, involves letters, apocryphal, you know, like apocalyptic stuff, which is like sci-fi, if you don't know what that means, stories of Jesus' life, all these things, and it's written by 44 authors 44 authors wrote the Bible. That's pretty incredible. Such as shepherds, kings, farmers, priests, poets, scribes and fishermen, but also traders, embezzlers, adulterers, murderers, murderers and auditors. Okay? Sorry, auditors. <laughs> IRS people. Here's another fact. Bob Marley was buried with a stalk of marijuana, his red Gibson Les Paul guitar and the Bible. How about that fact? Okay, that'll motivate you. The Bible takes place across three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. It's translated into 2,883 languages. What, what? That's how many people, different kinds of people, that God has developed or translated this so that they can read the Word. Okay, it's the best-selling book of all time. Over 5 billion copies sold. Over 1 million copies are sold every year. A million that's a, oh my gosh. Okay, here's another important fact. The emperor of, Ethiopia, of e- Ethiopia, when he would get sick, would eat a few pages of the Bible. Okay? <laughs> the Bible, I know. There's another guy, I didn't write it in here, and he, would, he learned to speak English by reading the Bible. He'd rip the page out and roll cigarettes with it. Okay? The Bible was the first book ever mass printed using movable type. The Bible has inspired Um, more top billboard songs than any other book. Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Aerosmith, Prince Metallica. Is this making you want to read the Bible? Because the last name, Kanye West. (laughs) There you go. The Bible is also the most stolen book in the world. (laughs) Sir Isaac Newton's passion was not math, was not science, but he wrote more on religion than both of those put together. And lastly and not least, and I'm sorry about this, most villains in the Bible have red hair. There's grace and mercy. <laughs> now, here, here's another deal. It's women are more likely than men to read the Bible. Older people are more likely than young people to read the Bible. And African-Americans are more likely than other races to read the Bible. So if you're a young male that's not an African-American, you are reading the Bible less than everybody. <laughs> so you're going to have to work the hardest to read the Bible. Okay, now, the Bible is so important. I mean, the main reason is God of the universe speaks to you. He talks to you through the Bible, the God of the universe. So many of you come to me and say, I never hear from God. I never get a word from God. Well, maybe that's because he wants you to read the Bible. God wrote the Bible. The Holy Spirit is the Bible. I mean, it's, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. And so God wrote the Bible. And that's why it has authority, But God wrote the Bible. Is it possible that when you say, I want to read the Bible, we're grieving the Spirit? And he's saying like, you're asking me for a word and you won't even read the word that I've already given you. People have died for this word. People have shed their blood. People have been burned at the stake for the Bible. that The Holy Spirit wrote that God wrote every time you open it. It is the universal truth of God, the clearest way that God speaks to it, and powerful Powerful, it changes us when we open it, when we read it. I don't know how that happens, but it's the only book in history that will happen, that it will do like this. That it will change you, okay? Second Timothy 3.16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. It's all God-breathed. It's all from God. Every single letter, every single dot, T, everything is breathed from God. And it is living and active and it searches our heart and knows what we need. And cuts through to get us to that truth. Okay? And because because it's the word of God, the word that was written by God, it gives it authority. The Bible has authority over the church. The Bible has authority over people... The, the, the fathers of the church. The Bible has authority over church history. The Bible has authority over culture. Like we said, the Bible has authority over commentaries. The Bible has authority over the, the spoken word of God as translated by us in the spirit because we see dimly, not clearly. The Bible is clear. The Bible has authority. All of those are secondary that may support the Bible, that may help us understand the Bible, but the Bible is what determines the truth our life because it was written by God. And God is the authority over all. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth are under God's authority. All of the kingdoms are under, and we are in that. And so it is the final authority on all matters of faith and how we should live as followers of Christ. The Bible is called special revelation. General revelation is all of creation that God created so that man, every man would know, every woman would know that there is a God as they look at creation it says, nobody is with, with excuse. Because when you see creation, you see God, but because of our sinfulness and brokenness, we can't come to know God through general general revelation. We have to come through special revelation, which is the word of God. The word of God tells us how to be saved. The word of God tells us how we jack up our relationship with God. The Word of God tells us that we're sinners, that we're broken, and that we need a Savior. Without the Bible, we would not know those things. We would not know how to come to faith and be saved from our sin. The Bible is necessary. It's required for us to know who God is, for the world to know who God is. And so it's important that we know the Word of God so we can tell the world about the Word of God. Second Peter says this. from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now when it talks about prophecy there, it's talking about all the, the word of God. Everything that's been spoken by God into the Bible is from God. And so it's saying, first they spoke from God. For no process, prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but by but men spoke from God. What they have to say is not merely from their limited perspective. They are not the origin of the truth they speak. They are the channel. The truth is God's truth. Their meaning is God's meaning. Secondly, in the scripture, we see not only is what they spoke from God, but how they spoke it is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Men were moved by the Spirit. There's a commentary that says that it explains this really well. God did not simply reveal the truth to the writers of Scripture and then depart in hopes that they may communicate it accurately. This is the Word of God. This is God speaking to man. Holy Spirit's not going to be like, like drop a word, the Lord. Peace out. Good luck with that, Paul, or whoever's writing. No. he. Why, and that's scary. All right? He doesn't depart in hopes that they might communicate it accurately. Peter says that in the very communicating of it, they were carried by the Holy Spirit. The making of the Bible was not left to merely human skills of communication. The Holy Spirit himself carried the process to completion. This does not mean that God dictated every word. Rather, his spirit so pervaded the mind of the human writer that he chose out of his own vocabulary and experience precisely those words Thoughts and expressions that convey God's, convey God's message with precision. In this sense, the words of the human authors of scripture can be viewed as the word of God. Okay? That's how it has to be if we're going to place our life under the authority of it. It has to be from God. And it has to be infallible, and it has to be without error. And infallible means that it is, it is trustworthy on all matters of faith and life. That the Bible is incapable of failing you, is what infallible means. Is that it cannot fail you. It is unable to fail you. It will always lead you to life to the full. With inerrant, without error, the Bible in its original form, in its original form... <laughs> was inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God. So it is without error because God, God does not make mistakes. God does not make mistakes in the original manuscript. That is, the Bible is completely true and completely reliable. And in John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times at Psalms. Psalm. That's Psalm 12, 6. Basically, inerrancy and infallibility. If the Bible says it, it's true. If the Bible says it, it's happened. If the Bible says it, you can bet your life on it. You can base your life on it. You can live your life based on what you hear and you see. Now, again, I want to remind you. I mean, some of you, you're going to go buy a Bible and you're going to go read the Bible, like, for the next seven days because you want to live and not die, right? And you're going to go after it. But remember, we're after intimacy. We're after after God's love. We're after life to the full. So you might read one verse, one verse, two words, and the Holy Spirit might make that alive to you. We're going to give you a little challenge at the end. But your goal is to experience the love of Jesus Christ Life to the full, his rest, his power, all of that that comes from him. Mark Twain said, it it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. You know, we have lots of excuses. And maybe the main one is, I don't don't understand the Bible, right? I don't understand it. So I don't read it. So I I don't get one, okay? Well, you can understand it. You can't understand it, because God desires more than anything to be understood. And so either either Jesus is lying about reading the Bible and it being understandable, or God's not who he says he is, or you're just not trying, or you're not making the effort. Because God promises when we seek him, we will find him. And the Bible is the universal, easiest way to, to find God, to know who God is. You know, I already said this. I would encourage you, if you want to hear from God, if you want to experience the power of God, if you want to experience the love of God, then you need to read the Word of God. You need to spend time in the Word of God. When you spend time in the Word, every time you open it, every time you spend time with God, when we say, come Holy Spirit, And we invite people down to pray. And we hold out our arms. What do we say? Whenever we ask for the spirit to come, he always comes. Whenever you open the word, the spirit is always there. When you open the word, the spirit is always there. He is always there. He is always speaking to you. He is always engaging your heart. Always. He's always opening your mind to the truth. He's always enlightening your heart to know the father. Always. Every time. Whether you understand it or not. Whether you think he is it not or not. How many times have you come forward, come Holy Spirit, and feel nothing? Experience nothing. But then you come again because you trust that the Spirit is moving. Or that later on, the Lord speaks to you. Reminds you that, yes, I'm always there. I'm always with you. We don't base our life. We don't base our life on what we feel God is doing. We base our life on what the truth is that God is telling us to do. Our life as Christians has to be grounded in the word because if it's not, it will be grounded in something else. And whatever that is, it will steal life from you. It will make you a slave. It will come to kill, to steal, and destroy everything about who you are. And Jesus says, don't, Paul says, don't go back to that thing. Don't go back to what I freed you from. Instead, find life in Christ. Find life in my way of life that's found in the word of life. This, this week, this is your challenge. Get a Bible and start reading it. A paper Bible. Don't get your phone Bible out. You can't mark on your phone. You'll just be blind by like the end of 10 minutes. You won't see your screen anymore if you're writing on it, right? Get a paper Bible, okay? A paper Bible, you read something you're angry at, you can slam it down. I don't think that's right. Eh. I don't like that or whatever. But you can mark it up. You can look at it. You can read it. You can go back to it. You know where things are. You can bookmark things. Get a Bible, okay? Get a Bible, all right? We're going to have a bunch of Bibles here next week that we're going to give away, okay? We have them already, okay? We just forgot them. I forgot them, okay? And so buy a Bible, Danny, I want to appreciate that. You know, that was nice. You need to read the Bible to find out about how to sow grace and mercy to your brother. All right, so we're going to be going through 1 John. Brian is going to be speaking next week. Brian and I are going to be going back and forth on this a little bit. Um, and uh, next week, we're going to be teaching about 1 John or showing how to apply some of these things. And so we're to, we want you to read through 1 John. It's in the back of the Bible. Go to the table of contents. You'll find it. Read through the whole book. Okay? Read through the whole book. All right? One, one thing. And then this week, just read the first chapter. Just read the first chapter again and again and again. One time every day. And then do this. This is all you have to do. This is easy. And then just say, God, what are you saying? What are you you saying? He might reveal himself to you. He might reveal who you are. He might give you something that he's calling you to do. I don't know. But whatever happens, it will lead to life. It will bring life to you. It will fill you with power, expectation, hope, rest, joy, peace. I don't know. But if I put that scripture up on the screen and said, went around the room, most of us, well, maybe not, because it's easy. But a lot of us, we'd have different answers. What does that mean to you? And the highlight would be coming from the Holy Spirit and what he wants to teach you. And the reason I want you to read it every day is because I bet every day as you read it, the Lord will show you something new. How? Because it's living. It's active. It sees what's happening in your heart that day And it goes for it. He goes for it. The Spirit goes for it to bring transformation in life. All right, let's stand.